2: hello everyone welcome to wrestling daily the first of 2021 um a bit of sad news to start the show today um alex is dealing with a bit of a family loss at the moment um shared the news on twitter if you haven't seen so uh he won't be on the show today and won't be here tomorrow so uh just Double. everyone go and send him some love if you can uh but i'll be covering today while um He's not here, and I'm joined by SB3. So how you doing, man? How you been holding up with everything going on?
0: Happy 2021 to everyone watching. Uh, it's been an interesting start to the year. I want to send my, my thoughts and condolences to Alex's family, and I'm ready to talk some, some wrestling. It's been a very eventful first days of 2021, to say the least, in the wrestling world.
2: Yeah, obviously, from all of us, thoughts and uh, love to Alex and the family. But it has been an eventful few days in wrestling. And we've got a lot of news to cover uh, today. We'll obviously be talking about Raw. Uh, We'll be talking about his return, his, his, uh, the man that came back, uh, Goldberg. We'll be talking about uh, some plans, uh, some plans that were dropped for Raw, Marty Skull. I've got a bit of an echo. So let me just sort that very quickly.
0: No worries we've got Marty scroll we uh, should be God, better now. of honor um, Hang on. Mickey Mickey James uh is uh, reportedly now I can't
2: hear you so I think I've messed things up oh Let boy me try this <laughs>
0: Getting off to a to a smashing start to wrestling daily in 2021. Got okay. I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: got you. So uh, we'll be talking about Raw. We'll be talking about Goldberg comeback. We'll be to- we'll be talking about drop plans for Raw. We'll be talking about Marty Skull being done with Ring of Honor. Whether or not Mickey James is still a wrestler after appearing on Raw Legends Night, AEW heading out of Daily's place. And of course, I'm gonna I couldn't do this show and not let SB3 wax lyrical about new japan and wrestle kingdom for a solid 20 30 seconds that's all i'm gonna allow him for the show today (laughs) but yeah we'll we'll obviously break down wrestle kingdom for those that haven't checked it out because and i actually haven't seen one of these matches but from what i've heard we could have match of the year could be done we it could all be wrapped up already yes um Yes, yeah, so if you guys want to get in your comments, your thoughts, whatever, send it. Send us in an ultra chat at wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestle2. We want to hear what you guys have got to say. If you want us to talk about a particular topic, let us know and we will do so. I know Alex and I love your your fantasy booking situations or your all hypotheticals, so send those in. Um, so let's start with Raw. Raw Legends Night. What did you think of the show overall, SB Three? Because it's some news coming out of the show, but I want your your overall thoughts on uh, the first show of twenty twenty. How did you think it was?
0: I thought it was an not not a raw average show, but a an above average for for raw. And that by above average, I mean anything over a five out of ten for raw is above average. So I gave it a five point five on the Richter scale out of 10 i thought the wrestling was really good on the show uh the main event obviously was a great matchup a lot of fun two big boys going out there and performing their butts off between drew mcintyre and keith lee and it was a noteworthy show and usually with these theme shows you don't have too much noteworthy but the ending was noteworthy for better or worse
2: So, yeah, for those that haven't caught the show, um, so Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre had a great WWE title match. It was a great TV match. And then after the match, Drew cuts a promo, talks to the legends that are all on the stage, and Goldberg's music hits. Goldberg comes down, says that Drew McIntyre doesn't respect the legends, and then challenges him to a WWE title match at the Royal Rumble later this month. Divided opinion online. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Goldberg, I guess, being the first of Drew's title defenses in well, not the first because we had Keith Lee, but the first pay-per-view
0: title defense of 2021? So I'm I'm gonna say that I feel like how I felt before Super Showdown last year, where on in a vacuum, Goldberg versus a new star of the WWE. Yes, it gives them an opportunity to finally use the star power of Goldberg to put over someone new. And I think that Drew McIntyre has enough skills to kind of carry a match better than The Fiend had any potential to do with Goldberg last year. So I like that. If if Drew McIntyre wins this match, it does elevate him a little when it comes to his star power and how he's positioned in the company. On the other hand... We know the situation with RAW. They just had record low ratings two weeks ago, and we know Vince Man's number one button on his panic but his panic button uh, uh, control panel is nostalgia, and Goldberg winning the WWE Championship is in high probability, and that is an issue for everyone. It seems like.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally opposed to it, but that's, I think, because I'm in the mindset that Drew's going to retain. So I'm like, you know what? Out of everyone on the roster, probably there's no one bigger than Goldberg. In terms of names we'd like to see that Drew could have a better match with, there are many better names. But in terms of star power, I know people don't like him, but arguably Goldberg does feel like a star. So when he does come back, as long as he puts over that younger talent, and I think we will see that with Drew, It's not the worst-case scenario, I think. But um, I want to take us into a bit of news there. Obviously, we were speaking, or I just mentioned there, that maybe Goldberg was the biggest star on the roster, call it, or the biggest name that WWE could have brought in for that show. And it seems like Vince McMahon thought something similar so do you want to take us uh through when the decision was made to have Goldberg um, obviously reportedly have Goldberg challenged for the title and uh why Vince came to that decision
0: yeah uh Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio said that the decision was made over the weekend he basically uh looked at the WWE the uh, Raw roster and he just felt like no one was ready to be in the position to first Drew McIntyre at the Raw Rumble and I don't I don't know how how you feel about it Louis I mean I can understand him coming from that that point of view because Drew has kind of been in in the ring with mostly everybody on the raw roster i think the only matchup we've all been seeing them set up is him and sheamus and sheamus doesn't have quite have that star power where we were going to see him as like a viable person to defeat drew McIntyre for the wwe championship so i get vince McMahon's mindset i i've said it before i put on my vince hat and i try to understand things from his perspective but i think it was kind of set up and foreshadowed when they did say AJ Styles was going to be in the Raw Rumble earlier in the show. And that kind of just eliminated the most likely person on the Raw roster that they could have gone back to. They could have gone back to Drew versus AJ because we didn't really get a full one-on-one matchup between them at TLC. So it does make sense from Vince's perspective. And I, and I use that, you know, as, as best as I can, Vince's perspective, it does make sense to go to Goldberg here.
2: And I mean, it would be interesting to see how the ratings are because, yes, ratings were low. So it'll be interesting to see whether maybe not this week because it was right at the end, but in subsequent weeks, if this experiment pays off. And if Goldberg being in that picture, as long as he puts Drew over, this might be. So part of me doesn't want it to work because if it does work, it, they'll keep doing it. Yes. Um, but I mean, I, I as I've said, I don't think Goldberg's going to win. But I could, I could see why people are nervous going into it, thinking that he is going to win. And I mean, Goldberg was part of the plans that changed for Raw. There was reportedly plans to have Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton main event, but when this fell into place with the Goldberg return, it did make sense to have um, that go on last, uh, Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. So do you want to also talk us through what the reported plans were and what changed for Raw?
0: So this report comes from uh, PW Insider. They said that the original plans for uh, Monday Night Raw last night was a Hulk Hogan in-ring promo. Of course, instead of that, we got the backstage uh, scene with the H-phone, I guess we're going to call it, The, the Hulk Hogan iPhone. Uh, the report also notes that Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair sat in on the production meeting uh, yesterday, and as you said, uh, Louis, the original plan was to end the show with Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton before the decision was made late in the day for Drew McIntyre and Goldberg Zango to end to end Raw, and the show apparently was running late, so that's why the the ending felt rushed, and it was rushed, and that's why I think the the entire goldberg promo just made absolutely no sense like a we just saw drew mcintyre go uh, playing playing cosplay uh hulk hogan earlier in the night like with hulk hogan doing the brother and what you're gonna do and he's been friendly with all these legends he was the representative for the legends against the guy that actually does disrespect the legends and was disrespecting him the entire show Randy Orton, I it just felt like like Goldberg head butted the the locker the locker too hard. His brain was bleeding, and he thought he was talking to Randy Orton instead of Drew McIntyre.
2: You could see the cut on his head. <laughs> you could see it, and I was like, "Oh, what have you done, Bill? Not again!" But I've, firstly, I've 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 confirmed privately and independently that, that off the back of PW Insider's report that the show was running late. The end segment was rushed. And for me it was so confusing because who am I supposed to cheer for? Because you don't like anyone disrespecting anyone. So you're so in your mind you assume right, I'm gonna cheer for the person that's fighting for the people that are being disrespected. Yeah. But A, I never felt that Drew McIntyre was disrespecting him. Because I mean, as you said, he did that segment with Hulk Gogan. There's never been any indication that Drew is disrespectful to the legends. And if that's the story WWE is portraying, who's the babyface? Is it Goldberg? uh, Is Drew McIntyre supposed to be the heel in this storyline? And we're supposed to cheer for the valiant Goldberg fighting for the old legends. It it didn't make sense. And I I think that could have been a victim of the time. Maybe Drew McIntyre was going to go on to explain why he's not disrespectful or defend himself. But we didn't really get that chance because of... The time restraints. So yeah, I think that this we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, I, I I'm almost happy Alex isn't here. So we'll have we'll give him a week to to digest this Goldberg news, and then he can come back and respond because I think we would have seen angry Al tonight.
0: And I think I think a lot of people even during the uh, the the guys uh, podcast earlier with uh, with Luke and uh, Pete, they were all saying in the in the live chat, they was like, oh, I can't wait for Alex's response to Goldberg. So we got to let it simmer in for a little while. Yeah, I'm sure when he returns, he's still he's going to he's going to blow up and be in anger that not only is Goldberg back but he's versing someone that probably Alex likes as much or more than Roman Reigns. So,
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't think you could, I, I, as you say, I don't think you could get someone that Alex likes more and Alex doesn't like more and put them in a ring together. If, if Goldberg wins of the Royal rumble, I don't think we will be able to do a wrestling daily for about three months. I think Alex will need to take a sabbatical and take his time off, but I want to sort of maybe draw a close to this Goldberg chat. I'm sure we'll have some ultra chats about it. But um, does this mean, are we speculating, that maybe it's not Goldberg and Roman at Mania? Maybe it's Roman and Daniel Bryan. That was reportedly the plan for the Royal Rumble. That isn't happening at the Royal Rumble. It doesn't seem, it looks like that'll be Kevin Owens again. So could Daniel Bryan be shifted in that role? Maybe with a final Royal Rumble win for him, the one that has always evaded him, and then could that be the Royal? Uh, that that be the WrestleMania plan instead of Goldberg? Because I uh, listen, we know they love Goldberg. We know they love putting legends in that in those big spots, but I don't think they're going to give him two title matches for different world titles within four months, three months, actually, of each other. So do you, uh, this is my, I guess, I'm trying to take a little bit of, like, look at the silver lining. Are we going to have maybe not Goldberg at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns? From Obviously, we don't know, but is that what you think could happen?
0: So right now, like I said, I'm trying to be optimistic about this whole <laughs> thing, but my gut is telling me, and I, I've heard this speculated online uh, you know, today, my gut is telling me, Goldberg defeats Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble so they can set up Drew winning the WWE Championship for a third time. And this time, hopefully, what they're trying to do is get fans at WrestleMania so he can finally do it in front of some type of crowd. I can see them doing that to just get the Goldberg two-match contract out of the way, have them beat Drew at the Royal Rumble, take time off, come back at WrestleMania, and we have Drew and Goldberg and you know you can have Drew win the elimination chamber to kind of gain that opportunity whatever they want to do they can set up a long term story between the two that probably would make more sense than his promo last night but uh, that's what that's what I kind of my gut feeling is telling me and yeah I I did also hear the report I believe it was from the wrestling observer newsletter they said that um Daniel Bryan and Roman is the likely plan for WrestleMania they also talked about Daniel Bryan Goldberg versus roman reigns in a triple threat match and that i was completely just i did not want to see that i I probably didn't want to see that more than goldberg versus roman (laughs) but uh daniel bryan versus roman kind of fits in with the whole theme of this roman reigns storyline like we waited years like four or five years for roman reigns to turn heel and we've waited four or five years probably six years because 2014 was really the time to do it Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble so it only makes sense for WWE to kind of complete everything that fans have talked about for all this time and have Daniel Bryan win the Royal Rumble and versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania.
2: I mean it makes sense the the Drew McIntyre thing that you said I can see them doing it have him win maybe go on and win the Rumble later on in the night if it isn't Daniel Bryan and then have Drew McIntyre win it back with fans but I think with the situation as it is with COVID we don't know if fans are going to be there that's obviously a hope but we don't know so I think it's so silly if that is the plan to then because you're hedging your bets that you are going to be able to have fans there so if you're not and then you just have Drew McIntyre win again in front of the Thunderdome or whatever however they do the Wrestlemania I think that could be a risk I mean but I could see them doing it so I think you are onto that But um, let's get into some Ultra Chats. If you want to get those in, head on over to WrestleTalk.com forward slash Wrestle2. SV3 there, pointing below him. Um, So we'll start off here with Matty. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Louis, hey, SB3, thoughts of Alex's family, obviously from all of us here at Wrestling Daily as well. Obviously, if, you, if you're if you just joining the stream, uh, Alex, unfortunately, is dealing with a bit of a family loss, uh, so our thoughts go out to him. So he'll be only here on the Thursday show this week uh, with Stephanie Chase. Um, so Matty says, uh, not sure if I can swear, but I'm going to do it anyway. Goldberg can F off. He didn't say F. I've added the F off. So this is my, not issue with that comment, but thought. If I worked for WWE and my boss said to me, you're going to win the title here. You're going to be paid this amount to win the title. I'm not going to say no. I think the anger is being misdirected at Goldberg when it should be directed at the company. Gold, As far as we know, and he might, but as far as we know, Goldberg is not holding Vince McMahon ransom and saying, I'm going to win that title. You're going to put me in that title match. So do you think the anger is potentially misdirected at Goldberg when he's just doing what his boss is telling him to do and getting the most money for it? We can't really blame him, can we? I
0: I absolutely agree with you. And this is like a theme that has been going on for, I think even before Roman Reigns, like John Cena, like this guy is out there working the hardest. He's getting the opportunities, but half the crowd is booing him. For Vince McMahon's decision, like, when Visic Man comes back, we go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, oh, oh, savior of professional wrestling, but we don't boo him for all the stuff that we are angry about for the other 364 days that he's not on television. It doesn't make any sense. I think that it's all misdirected, but I'm hoping that WWE reads the room and realizes that Goldberg, they, they, they kind of ha- are able to tap into something here. We, we don't have a lot of real genuine heels that elect this type of ha- hatred right now. Go uh, You know, even Roman Reigns, who's the top heel in WWE, it's it's really, if you kind of see people online talking about it, people love him and love the character he's playing. And it's not too much of hatred for him, you know, being being the head of the table and abusing Jay Uso. It's kind of love for how well he's doing it. Goldberg can elect hatred and i think that that is something that wwe needs to tap into read the room and i think him defeating drew mcintyre will just pump up the heat and not piped in heat i think real genuine heat that if fans are at wrestlemania they will be booing goldberg against drew mcintyre
2: yeah i mean uh, we we've actually got another old shirt here from carol ones uh who actually has suggested something a little bit different that i i'm not a fa- i'm not not a fan of i quite like the idea i'm just not sure about the way of getting there so um she says uh, hey louie and sp3 happy new year happy new year to you too carol uh she says what is the worst that can happen with old book he could win against drew win the rumble and then win against roman Oldberg with all the gold. No, it can't happen. Could it? Just kidding. Oldberg is no threat. Hugs to Alex. So I actually thought she said something different here. So this, no. Goldberg cannot win all the gold. But how would you feel if Drew McIntyre drops the title? Drew McIntyre wins the Rumble and then goes on to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania in maybe a rematch from Survivor Series. You can play up that Drew's never beaten Roman Reigns. But then I guess you've got the problem of why wouldn't Drew want to regain the title that he lost? If he's got a title shot, he'd go off the Goldberg. Um, but no, I hope we don't see Goldberg. If, if WrestleMania 30, you have my word. SP3, you have my word. If WrestleMania 37 ends, the closing image being Goldberg with the WWE and the Universal Championships above his head, probably blood from his head where his head butted a lot. Well, I don't know what I'll do. I'll shave my head on Wrestling Daily if that's how WrestleMania 37 ends. It it and you know what? I'm a bit worried because I think it could happen. Um and you mentioned your heat thing earlier. Something I wanna I wanna potentially bring up. WW could have an opportunity here to do the crowd reaction they want. They could portray Goldberg as the babyface. In all of this, because they're piping in the crowd noise, there there aren't fans there to react. So maybe this is why they've done this match at this stage, because you're not going to have fans booing Goldberg as he comes down to uh, like um, nope. last night. You're going to have fans probably cheering him. The piped in noise uh, on Monday, he'll and uh, someone watching will be like, "Oh, th- this guy's the babyface." <sighs> <sighs> uh, Please, no. Please, WWE, please.
0: Don't do this. This is why I loved uh, Mustafa Ali's uh, promo on Raw Talk. That was just a a spicy, hot take uh, type of promo because you you, got to love uh charlie caruso and r-truth trying to play the wwe apologist like oh the fans were cheering for goldberg and he just says oh yeah they really piped it in like <laughs> i was just like yes exactly don't don't insult our intelligence like tell it like it is this is wwe what they want the reaction to be and not this is not the genuine reaction of the wwe fans
2: yeah, actually, while we're speaking about that, do you want to talk about the Mustafa Ali promo or Mustafa Ali? As I love how he's uh, changed that around, said it's based on his uh, him wanting the ring announcers to say it differently. But do you want to take us through what um, what he had to say on Raw Talk?
0: Yeah, he uh, was basically expressing a lot of anger on Raw Talk for the fact that Retribution weren't on the show. He kind of uh, name-dropped Drew McIntyre, uh, Lince Dorado, people of that ilk, uh, kind of not having the opportunities because we, we have to hear, well, you know something, brother, for the seventh million time. And he kind of just expressed his frustration with the whole entire Legends Night and how he wants to, these guys have paved the road for him, so let him walk on the road. I think it was one of his best promos that he's cut, and he's cut a lot of good ones since uh, turning heel. But this, you can kind of, uh, you kind of felt the passion and the real the realness in his promo and the words he was speaking. And I and apparently, uh, I, I think you could probably tell me who the report is from. I heard Hulk Hogan uh, saying that he felt like the young guys backstage were not, didn't greet him that well. Uh, when he when he came on uh, Raw this week, he just felt like the guys were coming on thinking that he's kind of stealing their spot or stealing the main event spot when he's like saying, oh, I'm not I'm not here for that. I'm here, you know, just for a legend tonight. But I kind of get that resentment. And I think it was funny. I think uh, Big Swole responded to the to the whole uh, quote and said, it's, it's not because of that, Terry. <laughs> so that was great. Yeah. Time. Uh, so he
2: uh, Goldberg said that to ESPN that some of the guys it, and girls are a bit cold to him when he comes back for his appearances. But yeah, I, I I like that Mustafa Ali promo. I'm sure it was under the guise of retribution as far as WWE concerned, but probably for him, a little bit of realism because he's not on the show and the legends are getting his. When WWE has a problem, they go to the legends. They don't go to God. They don't say to ali and ricochet there you go main event 30 minutes try and bring fans in with wrestling They go all right goldberg go out there and cut a promo after headbutting a, a brick wall or whatever he does so i, I understand it was a great promo so go out your way to check it out if you can um before we wrap up with the raw of to say raw talk which is quite ironic uh, someone that was backstage during the show was mickey james she had a raw women's title match just a couple of months ago was part of the raw roster um, and she was backstage as a legend. No one really brought up that she was an active wrestler. There was no teases of her getting in the ring again or nothing really like that. She was just there like Tatanka in his gear and IRS and whoever else was there. So some speculated that it's Mickey James done. Have we seen the last of Mickey James? But a new report from Gary Cassidy over Inside the Rope seems to suggest that that isn't the case. And Mickey James is uh, treated like a legend, but is still an active member of the roster. So, do you, I mean, I was about to say, do you want to run us through that report? But I think I've run it through uh, <laughs> through, through as much as there is. But I'm yeah. sure as someone who likes good wrestling, as you do, you've got to be happy to hear that Mickey James isn't done. Because for me, I think she could still be a valuable member of the roster if she challenged Asuka at Royal Rumble. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm not really into seeing that. I, I'd be quite happy to see it if she moved over to SmackDown and had something with Sasha Banks. I'd also be happy to see that. So I take it you're also pretty pretty happy to hear that Mickey James isn't done and we haven't seen the last of her in the ring.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mickey James is probably one of my all-time favorites uh, when it comes to the ruthless aggression uh, type of uh, female wrestlers at that time. Her and Beth Phoenix kind of held it together and kind of had a good work rate like that followed up from the whole Trish and uh, Lita era of the WWE. And I think that since her return, they haven't really capitalized on the talent that she has. They've kind of gave us little blurps, like the whole feud between her and, Be- and Becky Lynch when she first came back, her Raw Women's title match against uh, Asuka a couple of months ago. So I'm very happy that she's not uh, an official legend, that she's still an active superstar. And she looks great. She looks in tremendous shape. uh, And she looks like she could still go in the ring. And I think there's a lot of opportunities because when she first came back a couple of months ago, it looked like they were going to once again, you know, go in that direction, kind of use her as the... The established female wrestler on the raw side that can have feuds outside of the title picture against people. I think she was in position to feud with like Natalia and Lana at the time. And there is, you know, so many young females, especially on the raw side with Peyton Royce, Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, that she can have good matches with or at least have good stories with. And I just think that they need to capitalize on that talent a lot more. So I'm very thankful that she still have she's still active.
2: Yeah, I mean, she is. She's great. And I think she'd be a welcomed addition to any roster. And hopefully we see her back before too long. Um, From sort of one end of the career scale to another, I guess, we've got Don Mysterio, who uh, had his debut match at SummerSlam. I think impressed everyone with like, oh, OK, this guy's good. I mean, I know he's in the ring with Seth Rollins, which yeah. I think... I could have a good match with Seth Rollins. I think he's that good. good. Could I? Maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) So we've obviously got Don Mysterio, And new reports coming out, suggesting that he is going to Orlando to train. So do you want to run us through that report?
0: Yes. uh, He was, uh, Ray Mysterio was actually speaking on Conan's Keeping It 100 podcasts and talking about the development of uh, Dominic Mysterio. And his quote on the podcast was, Dominic is looking forward to making a move to Tampa or Orlando and start anew over there. He wants to take advantage of the ring opportunity and go to developmental center. Overall, uh, Tyson Kidd has a ring over there. He would benefit so much from being out there where everyone is at. And he's definitely right. And, you know, he kind of uh, noted about his whole learning process. I know a lot of people were questioning why the Mysterio were off TV. So this might be giving us a little bit of an answer here to kind of further with Dominic's development, Dominic uh, added on the podcast as well, it would benefit me to be in or in Florida in general because I have the WWE Performance Center in Orlando and I can pick so many people's brain there. There's Tyson Kidd in Tampa. I have so many options there to pick and choose from to be able to learn and be able to grow myself as a wrestler. And I think we all can kind of see, you know, even outside of the, the Seth Rollins match at SummerSlam that there's a lot of untapped potential there for dominic and he's a rare guy that's in his 20s that has that potential that they can develop over a longer period of time and become a potential young star for them and you know wwe seemingly is begging for some young talent to kind of step up and i think that this is the right move to kind of take the next step further in his development for dominic
2: and listen, I I think, as you said, he impressed a lot of people with his performances in 2021. In 2020, sorry. And I think we'll be hoping to see that with, in 2021. And something interesting that WWE posted on uh, on the website, they, they did a, a list in, in a video form of five wrestlers that could be champion uh, next year, well, this year. And uh, one was Dominic Mysterio. And this obviously isn't a report or saying that he's going to win titles. But it does show that the company obviously sees something in him. Also mentioned on that list was Riddle, who is is a regular fixture on Raw. We've got Carla O'Reilly, who's challenging for a title uh, later on this year. Uh, we've also, um, who else have we got on that list? Uh, Bianca Belair was on that list as well. And we've also got who, who was the uh, Peyton Royce. So names that you're often hearing WWE are high on, and it's nice to see that uh, the 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 infamous WWE is high on
0: the kiss of uh, death.
2: Exactly. <laughs> it, it, but it is nice to see that they've obviously got high hopes for Dom. I'd like a tag title run, something like that, where you can protect Dominic in, in his role, not have him overexposed. And, I mean, who doesn't want to see Dom and Ray team up together? It is just quite a nice story to do. So I, I hope that the training goes well for him. I hope he isn't nullified, I guess, and made boring. Because that he felt like Rawley. He felt like he, had, he, he was a bit rough around the edges, which was nice. So I hope they don't smooth them out too much and sort of do the the whole blanket like, we're here, we're going to put you in this mold and this is how you're going to operate. Hope we can do it slightly differently here. I think yeah. it's time though, SB3. I do think it's time. It's time? It's time to talk about New <laughs> Japan. It's time to talk about Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, so okay. we're going to play this slightly differently because I haven't, I haven't been able to watch either show frankly i have been too busy over the past two days to watch it and i I will but why don't you run down for me and for anyone listening that hasn't watched the show uh what sort of happened what were the biggest talking points maybe a match or two that if people haven't seen and don't have the time to watch the full two nights they should go and check out so go and take us to be, be our new japan we don't we don't want tempest on the show be our new japan guy take take us through it all
0: and shouts out to to Tempest. I, I know he's over in uh, Canada. He did a great live reaction, live reactions with Sano Lad the last two nights, excuse me. <clears throat> and I, I, I give him all the credit because, you know, to be on camera at that time uh, in the in the morning or night for us in the uh, in North America, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. So yeah. I, I give him a lot of credit for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, if you haven't checked it out, hats off to Tempest. Uh, I'm not actually going to take my health. The reason I'm wearing this because my hair is awful. I've got proper lockdown hair. But yeah, hats off to Tempest and Sonolad for doing their live reactions over on Russell Two. If you want to have a look at their opinions, go and check that out. Um, they did two great nights of coverage for a show that uh, for you guys in the states isn't easy to watch at, at that time in the morning. I think you woke up at two a.m. or one a.m. I don't I don't actually think you went to bed. I think he, no, I mean he, no, no, no.
0: I I actually did because you know I, I try to go to bed when my kids go to bed. I still have my my nine month old twins, and and they they do work out for me because my my daughter woke me up at around like 1:30, uh for the first night, and then my son woke me up uh, this morning around like three fifteen. So I I was like a couple of minutes late for uh for this one uh today, but two fabulous shows like just from the the aesthetics of uh, the stage was phenomenal they had the long ramp I, I just think that it, it was it's been a while since we saw a big stadium show like that with yes. fans in attendance so I'm very thankful first of all that the state of emergency in Tokyo did not come into effect and affect new Japan in that way to kind of uh restrict fans even further there was the uh the restrictions as far as them not being able to yell and boo and cheer and I will say that did have an effect on the show I know a lot of people have said on social media they didn't quite feel have the same feeling watching this year's Wrestle Kingdom as in years past but I just thought it was two great shows and unlike last year where I felt I felt day one was a lot stronger than day two I would say right off the bat day two was probably better than day one in my opinion so you know yesterday for January 4th the main event is a must-watch, uh, Kota Ibushi defeating Tensuya Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. It wasn't exactly what we thought it was it was going to be with these two guys killing each other with neck bumps and dropping each other on the neck, even though there was a vicious German suplex on the ramp where Ibushi landed on his neck that you just have to see to believe. And uh, they, they went over 30 minutes, but they told more of a story. And I thought that that was the right way to go, where they they picked and choose their their spots where they were going to land on their neck. But it was more about the story of those two guys and those two characters. And it really uh, paid off to have a tremendous match in the main event. Arguably, I would say the semi-main event was even better than that with Kajuka Okada versus Will Ospreay. Because this was a different type of Ospreay. You, we know Osprey for his high-flying style. He's been the best high-flyer in professional wrestling for five six years now but the commonwealth uh kingpins you know more about that than that terminology than i do he he he's getting this character and it's you can see it coming together for him where he's slowing down on the high flying and the high flying is more to be like Hey, I, I'm I'm just showing off at this point. I can do it still, but I'm not gonna give you what you want anymore. And he focused in on uh, Okada's neck, but that match really developed and developed into more physicality with Okada just showing more aggression and becoming the Okada of old. And you know, Will Osprey pulling out the the rainmaker on Okada was a great moment. And then Okada, for the first time since Wrestle Kingdom 14, pulling out the rainmaker, he he, he put the the money clip in the bin. We he, he, We saw it a couple of times, but he finally won with the Rainmaker. So, yeah, that was a great moment and a fantastic match. So those two matches are definitely must-see. You also had uh, the GLD, Guerrillas of Destiny, becoming seven-time record-breaking IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. You had the uh, New Japan Rambo with... Toriyano not even making it into the ring yet becoming in the final four so I, I I think I think we we did a live stream over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel and my good brother Jay News put it best the KOPW 2020 or 2021 trophy is New Japan's answer to the 24-7 title except that I think yes. that Toriyano is is still has ways to be creative and funny like our truth was in like 2019 if you understand.
2: Yeah, I think it is, It is as you say, their version of that. And I hope it doesn't get t- like boring quickly because yeah. I think people forget the stuff with Drake Maverick and R-Truth was pretty funny. It like was. When they first it. And Mike, Mike Bennett, Mike Canales at the time, that was fun. And I hope it doesn't get, get tired quickly. But, I mean, Toriano is brilliant. So um, I, I I don't think it will.
0: Yeah, and I think that the the added uh, you know stipulation with the fans picking stipulations for the matches, I think that does add to it, where the fans yeah. have like their hand in how it's going to be funny and how Torianos going to use the different stipulations to make it creative. Day two, like I said, was pro. It was possibly better than day one, and a lot of that was down to the third match on the show was Shingle Takagi going one on one with Jeff Cobb. If if you want to see a fest. And the the best comparison I could put for people who just watched WWE, you know, the Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre match, like we said, was a great wrestling match. It was a heavyweight slugfest in itself. If you extend that and added 10 more minutes to that, that was Shingo Takagi versus uh Jeff Cobb and a lot more hard hitting action. And this was possibly Jeff Cobb's best New Japan match ever and these two guys just went out there they they not only had a heavyweight slugfest but they showed their athleticism with jeff cobb pulling out a moonsault fallaway slam just ridiculous stuff and uh you know shingo successfully defending in the end and then the final two matches were just absolutely fabulous just you had uh Hiromu Takahashi versus Taji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. These guys just had breakneck pace. It was just an insane pace of what they were going for over 25 minutes. And uh, the the work on uh, the shoulder of... um, of Hiromu by Taiji Shimori. it was a very strong psychology there, but these guys were just ridiculously fast, and you had to, it, you know, be in, keeping notes, and I do the, the results, like I told you before we went on, for Sports Keto Wrestling, It was difficult. It was difficult to keep track of all the moves and everything that was going on in this match. I think that was the number one match, though, over the two nights that was hurt most by the uh, restrictions of the crowd, not being able to cheer, not even being able to boo, because I think if they had, like, a hot crowd, that would have been a five-star classic. But what was an absolute bona fide five-star classic was the main event. 48 minutes of some of the best storytelling and I would say one of the greatest heel performances that I've ever seen in my life. And like wow. you, Louie, and, and and Alex have said, I watch a whole lot of wrestling. And Jay White was on my, my bar for heel professional wrestlers in the ring is Triple H in 2000 and Ric Flair in 1989. And Jay White met both of those guys of just knowing how to play the crowd off, knowing how to make the right moves. He's not the best in-ring performer and Kodo obushi is so he had a great partner to be in there with but jay white just exceeded any and all expectations that he can have for himself i know our our our, our wrestling daily sister steph's chase was disappointed with the outcome but i think no one can be disappointed with uh jay white's performance because this was the match of his career Kodo obushi kept pace for pace with him. He just is an insane professional wrestler. And just the bumps that he takes, his selling is impeccable. This was a masterpiece in every single way. Like I said, a five-star classic immediately after the match ended when Kodo Ibushi hit the third Kamigoye to get the win and successfully defend the heavyweight in Intercontinental Championships. I told one of my friends. Dave Meltzer just broke his scale again because this is going to get above five stars from him. I don't do the above five stars. I like the five-star scale. Keep it simple. I give it five stars. But Dave is going to go over five because this was incredible.
2: He'll probably give it 13 with how willy-nilly he's getting. <laughs> with, he's, get, he's getting with his star ratings.
0: And they uh, did break the Okada Omega record for the longest match in, in the Tokyo Dome. So that also has to do with it.
2: Do you think it's better than Okada Omega?
0: No, it wasn't better, but it was just as great. And wow. that's, that's high praise for me.
2: I was going to say, if, if he hasn't convinced you enough with with how he described the match, saying it's just as great as Okada and Omega, you probably should go out of your way to watch it. we've actually got some ultra chats here regarding new Japan and the general wrestle kingdom chat. Uh, so one here, firstly, if you want to get in your ultra chats, want us to talk about a particular topic, want us, want us to hear, our, want to hear our thoughts on anything, suggest some fantasy bookings or whatever, head on over to wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestle two. And we will answer your question, uh, read out your comment, uh, whatever you guys want. And we've got one here from Matthew Mikowski. He says, hey, guys, can we talk about how effing good Wrestle Kingdom 15 was? Four contenders for match of the year already. Okada Osprey banged. Naito Ibushi banged. Tagagi, uh, Tagagi and Jeff Cobb hella banged. And that main event, that was the second best main event in Wrestle Kingdom history. I gotta give it six stars. That that's high praise.
0: And 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 Maddie's not not, not lying, and I give him credit because he he uh, he he inboxed me on Twitter and he tried to spoil Raw for me, but I already knew about Goldberg and McIntyre. So he like me had to watch Wrestle Kingdom and Raw. I don't know what order he watched it in. And I said watching Wrestle Kingdom just before watching Monday Night Raw last night was one of the hardest endeavors I've done as a professional wrestling fan.
2: I didn't watch Wrestle Kingdom and it was still hard to watch Raw. So I can only sympathize with you uh, greatly for what you've had to go through. Uh, We've got one here, another New Japan chat from CM Chris saying, Hey Louie and SP3, Wrestle Kingdom 15 was too much fun. And what I blast, I presume it means what a blast I had the last two days watching it. Also, Togo's elbow into the table has to be memeable. And also, Kota versus Jay is the longest match ever in New Japan. Hashtag Elite Good Eggs, hashtag SP3 for Quizzle Mania. So, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about this elbow? Because I've seen it, and it's a combination of hilarious, stupid, and painful. And I think it's hilariously, stupidly painful. Is what is how I would describe
0: that. That that's the perfect uh, explanation for that because I just could not stop laughing when uh, he went through the table. It was just like, oh, uh, Dick Togo is is a very divisive character for for New Japan fans because you know he is kind of associated with the the. Uh, polarizing is the is a better word for the run that evil had in 2020 as a top guy but i would say that this was one of evil's better matches between uh, him and sonata just getting away from the bump alone uh sonata just that was the most energy i've seen from that man and that man lacks a lot of energy in, in a lot of his matches but he brought a more energized performance here But, yes, if you can have a match that you're just, you know, applauding the performances of the both guys in the match and then you have a laugh out loud moment like that, that's what makes great shows. you got to have the range of emotions.
2: Yeah, you do. And, I mean, let's talk about range of emotions there. What a segue. What a beautiful segue while we wrap up our New Japan chat. Because there's been a certain promo doing the rounds over the last couple of hours that I think will probably take Promo of the Year, when we do Promo of the Year, as, as we did just last Wednesday for the End of Year Wrestling Daily show, when we talk about Promo of the Year, this will probably be in that conversation. So, J.Y., talk, talk through. Have we seen the last of J.Y. in New Japan? Because that's what his promos seem to suggest. So run us through what he said and just talk about how great this promo was
0: this was one of the the greatest post-match interviews i've ever seen and you know I'm, i'm putting a lot of greatest out there but jay white he was just on another level even in the match after the match, he's craw- he's crawling and trying to grab at the IWGP heavyweight in intercontinental titles, trying to grab at Ibushi and he has to be pulled away from the Young Lions. And then we got the the promo afterwards where he's just exasperated and despondent. He's just, he's, he's kind of has the mic down on the table and he's just talking into it. And he, he just went through a whole range of emotions where he's, he's got sadness that he didn't accomplish his goal, that he thought he was going to become a god and he didn't accomplish it. He's talking about the eight years that he's been in professional wrestling and a couple of days makes his eight-year anniversary of being in, in wrestling. And then he was like, you know, you, you, you people are happy. You know, I, I said I was going to be the champion. I didn't accomplish my goal last year of becoming the first double champion. I didn't accomplish my goal this year. Are you people happy? now and then and then just towards the end just telling the people the media watching he's like will you will you will you effing help me (laughs) will you effing help me he looks like he's gonna cry he starts laughing at one point he just put on he took us through the
2: emotions
0: he took us on a ride that was a shakespearean type of performance of like just just showing us the different type of emotions that you have after losing the biggest match of your career and the the one quote that everybody's going to be talking about that he says that after uh tomorrow's new year's dash that he is it that's it for him that he has he's basically speculating that he's going to quit new japan and quit uh, or quit professional wrestling however you want to respond to the promo he kind of left it Oh, open-ended but it's a great just it, it makes new year's dash that much more must-see where you know new year's dash is kind of new japan's raw after wrestlemania and it kind of sets up what's going to happen for 2021 for the year that's that, to come and it just makes it more must-see because you want to see what's going to happen with him and we've had big moments in the past with uh kenny omega turning on aj styles and aj styles last performance in uh new japan and that created the whole elite which brought us aew we've had uh suzuki gun return to new japan in the past so it really sets it up where everybody's going to be watching what jay white's going to do on this show because we're either going to see his last performance in New Japan for a while, forever, who knows, or we're going to see something big because we it has been teasing ever since the G1 that there is dissension in the Bullet Club and there's been a power struggle, a power shift with Evil potentially becoming the leader and even Kenta showing signs that he wants to be the leader. So are we seeing Jay White? Is this like kind of his his last heel promo, and he's going to potentially do a face turn to, uh, tomorrow? A, are, are the bully clubs going to kick him out because he failed at winning his goal? It just leaves so many questions open, and I just love promos like that that just make you axe
2: Okay. So what are we thinking? Jay White, I know you said there are many doors open, but what, what, what do you think he's going to – what do you think the future holds for him? What do you think – was the meaning behind the Prima?
0: I think it's the latter, to be honest with you, because this was something I talked about, when you are know, talking about the G1 uh, Climax 30. He had such a great performance, and I think that he has improved so much over the past year. And, you know, with Will Ospreay turning heel, they really only go with really like one main heel gaijin in New Japan usually. And yeah. they need a babyface gaijin. and that was Will Ospreay for a while. So now with Osprey being the leader of his own stable, I can legitimately see Jay White becoming the babyface gaijin. and I can see the fans being behind him because he's really developed a connection. Whether it's hate, it's hate; whether it's love for what he does in the ring, whether it's love for his his character work, there is a connection between him and the New Japan audience. Where I can see him making the babyface turn.
2: I mean, it'll be interesting because you mentioned there his his stuff, of, uh, obviously, from from your point of view that he did, uh, was some of the best heel work you've seen. So f- to transition that into a babyface will be interesting. But, I mean, from what you said, obviously, there, it does make New Year's Dash just a more, a more must-see show because who knows what's going to happen on the show. Um, I want to just take us into a little bit more news here before we wrap up. Uh, thank you, obviously, uh, everyone. For your comments, your and uh, but bearing with us through this uh rough period of uh, obviously a, b- a bit of change, with obviously Alex not being on the show for the next couple of days, and our thoughts obviously go out to him. Um, and if you want to get in your your ultra chats, obviously at wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestle two as we wrap up, but I want to talk about Marty skull So, last right around this time last year, a bit before. We were speaking about how Marty Skull was heading to to uh, Ring of Honor, or well, in Ring of Honor, but signing a new deal with Ring of Honor, turning down WWE and AEW to basically become head booker of Ring of Honor. Yeah. That was December 2019. Yeah. Fast forward to March. Obviously, the pandemic hits, and unlike WWE, unlike AEW, unlike uh, I mean, those two were the only ones that really stuck around for the whole pandemic. Ring of Honor shut its doors. Didn't put on any shows and they didn't come back for a while. Yeah. In that gap, Marty Skull was obviously implicated in some things in the speaking out movement. Um, due to legality, obviously, and legal reasons, we won't go into them here, but they are available if people want to do their own research. Marty Skull obviously was caught up in those and hasn't been seen since. Ring of Honor's been doing an investigation. Uh, he hasn't been at shows. Uh, Delirious has reportedly taken over his manager position, his booking uh, position. So it's not like he's not been on screen and been doing stuff so behind the scenes. He reportedly hasn't had anything to do with the company. There were some rumors that he'd be at final battle. He wasn't there. And uh, Ring of Honor announces yesterday that it is a, that they have cut ties with uh, Marty skull mutually. He's now done with the company. It was, it was, a shock but also not a shock because you're like when he when he's not there for so long and they don't make an action for so long you think are they just letting it out to to bring him back testing the waters is he doing things behind the scenes but the fact they've done this now six over six months about seven months after the after the fact is interesting yeah. um so sort of give us your thoughts on it and potentially what you think the future holds for marty scogs i know there, there was a bit of so, – so on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer said today, listen, WWE were interested in in Marty Skull. And I think some people, myself included, to that uh, to mean they, they are still interested. I think it was a it was a classic thing of where people read and listen to Wrestling Observer Radio and uh, Dave Meltzer maybe doesn't say things the close way or maybe it's on us and we just take things out of context. Um, But yeah, Marty's girl reportedly, uh, uh, we're not sure what the future holds for him. So give us what you think maybe uh, might be in his future and your thoughts on obviously his departure from the promotion.
0: Well, first to talk about his departure from the promotion, it, it was, you know, not surprising. We kind of saw this coming for a while, and I think that people didn't understand that, you know, he didn't just have a position as a wrestler. Like you said, he was a booker in the company. So it takes a while to come to some type of settlement, and I think that's why ROH put out the statement that ROH and Marty Scrawl mutually came to the decision to part ways. So it's totally understandable and you know we're not going to talk about the allegations but he did kind of validate the allegations that were against him so that's was you know it's totally the right decision to kind of separate themselves from him now as far as marty and his future in professional wrestling it's going to take a while to kind of get that black cloud um you know from over him like i don't see aew really talking to him because they stayed away from pretty much everybody who wasn't like already in house that was implicated in the whole speaking out movement. I mean, uh,
2: even Tessa Blanchard, who yeah, her, the allegations against her were behavioural rather than significantly more serious, and um, they haven't wanted wanted to sign her, and she would be fantastic for the women's division, and they haven't wanted to sign her. So you have to think on an allegation that is more serious. They definitely probably probably wouldn't go go there although he has i mean i'd say has had has friends there we don't know where the relationships change or whatever but he has previously been very close to joining AEW. he was supposed to debut as the leader of dark order before Brody lee was uh in the picture um he was supposed to debut on the 18th the infamous 18th of december episode of AEW in 2019 he was supposed to debut as the leader of the dark order on that show so AW looks at the picture. I mean, WWE, who knows? But God, where do you what do I you think, think the future holds of him?
0: I think that WWE is the most likely option because as we've seen in the past with them, the behavioral issues and allegations are not something that's gonna keep them away from someone who is rightfully talented, no matter how, how you feel about the person and what he did marty Squirrel is definitely talented in ring as a character and he has a a certain type of presence and you know what they've been doing they haven't been hoarding talent like they have in the past i know that was a report from fightful select but um I can totally see them bringing him in and putting him on an NXT, an NXT UK, where he would be kind of a big star. He would kind of be a big fish in a small pond and someone that they could position against someone like Walter kind of immediately because of his uh, star power and where he's been in the past. Um, So I think that WWE kind of, through this whole, the all allegations against him, they've kind of gotten in the lead ahead of aew where you can more likely see him going there than anywhere else in the professional wrestling world
2: the thing is and obviously the allegations were made against velveteen dream for example matt riddle those were in house already yeah i guess this is someone that they'd be bringing in and i think they get significantly more heat for that than not firing someone if that makes sense so I true. really don't know what the future holds for Marty's girl, but I mean, obviously at wrestling daily, we will keep you posted on any updates or anything of that nature. And uh, before we wrap up here with your ultra chats and your final uh, things, actually two things, Um, obviously Wednesday is debate night. And uh, just because Alex isn't here and isn't going to be here tomorrow, doesn't mean we won't be debating because we will. And I'm tempted to do what Alex has not been able to do and defeat SB3 in a debate so um guys in the comments uh get in your suggestions for things to debate and we will uh debate those topics obviously feel if we feel passionate about a certain side so get get your suggestions in and we'll maybe pick uh one or two that uh sp3 and i can uh choose from uh today so um before hey, we set
0: the bar kind of high on the year-end show because i got a lot of heat from you and alex for picking thunder rosa as the the women's wrestler of the, of the year but uh you know, I stand, I stand by, by my words on that, on that. Uh, I like it.
2: And you know what? You convinced me, but I couldn't admit it in front of Alex. You you were close <laughs> to convincing me. I, I was getting there, but I saw how, how, how he got really like, I was like, listen, I can't leave him on his own. I've got to back him. But before we uh, head on over to your chat and uh, decide what we're going to debate, um. I've seen someone say chicken wings or uh, nuggets or chicken wings. Make them wrestling related, preferably, uh, if, if, if your debate topics can be. But um, AEW leaving uh, Daily's Place next month. It's been reported that they are going to be heading out of the venue in Jacksonville and to Miami for all their tapings in February. And that is going to be um, uh, uh, That'll be the, the home for revolution as well. And then back yeah. to Jacksonville for Daily's Place in March. Uh, do you want to talk us to why that was reportedly um, the decision was made? Some of the reasons, some of the maybe issues that wrestlers has had with Daily's Place during the past few months?
0: So, uh, this was a report from bodyslam.net. Uh, They said that they cite uh, reporting that all episodes of AEW Dynamite and AEW Dark next month will not be at Daily's place. The uh, quote from them said, after speaking to my sources within AEW, it sounds as though the company will be calling Miami home for the month of February. AEW will record several weeks of Dynamite and Dark and their upcoming Revolution pay-per-view. They also noted uh, that AEW is reportedly planning on returning to to Jacksonville for all tapings in March, and the quote also said additionally i was told that there has been some complaints about wrestling in the sub freezing weather in the venue in the outdoor venue of daily's place which likely played into the company's decision to move production to a warmer location which makes total sense we're in we're in uh, winter time, no matter where you are in the world, you are in winter. So it makes sense that, you know, the outdoor venue was hard on them. We all heard about the reports prior to uh, winter is coming about people kind of being being skeptical and being scared about how the weather was gonna be on that night. So it's it's, it's understandable that they wanna move to that warmer location now.
2: Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And it'll be, I think a nice change of scenery will make the shows exciting. Um, yeah just to see how things are different. Um, uh, Final two Ultra Chats before we wrap up for today. Obviously, thank you, everyone, very much for your Ultra Chats, your your comments, and your just general love and support, uh, obviously, for Alex and for us, who've had to uh, uh, help feeling for him today. So, obviously, thank you to SV3. For, uh, for, for those that don't know, I messaged him about... 5pm UK time. Maybe even 530 So it's very short notice for him. So I appreciate you for doing that, um, my friend. Uh, we go here to Bo Hill who said, if you can go back and watch one match live, which match would you choose? Uh, they've suggested, gotta go with HBK and Taker from Bad Blood 97. First cage match. HBK and Undertaker in their primes and the best debut in history. So i'll go to you first what are you thinking what what match would you want to go and have a look at
0: Mm. now if i if i'm just talking about wwe here i would say austin versus bret hart from wrestlemania 13 because of how impactful that match was how it kind of showed what was going to be with the attitude era i mean the whole rest of the show, not so much. But that match just alone, if we're just talking about one match, I would definitely want to see all, in my opinion, all time across any promotion, uh, Okada Omega from the first time from uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11. And just seeing something that extraordinary in front of the Tokyo Dome, being in that, in that uh, atmosphere, I think would be great to be there live.
2: I mean, two very good suggestions. I would probably go for um, FTR and the Young Bucks from Full Gear. I think I'd say I'd like that to have been in in, in front of a whole crowd. Yeah, that would that would uh, and be being part of that would have been great. Um, WWE match. I think CM Punk and John Cena from Money in the Bank two
0: thousand and eleven. That's a
2: good one. At the time, I was ten. So I, I knew, but I didn't really know. And uh, retrospectively, it still blows my mind. So I'd like to go back, but knowing what I know now and being part of that crowd, I think would be great. Also, uh, Triple H and The Undertaker. The thing is, Triple H and The Undertaker and WrestleMania 28. Okay. The the Hell in a Cell match, which for me is one of the best near-falls of all time. But... <laughs> Watching a cage match live, like there, that's of the I've never been to one. I've never seen one, but I can't imagine that's a great viewing experience, like having to look through the, the mesh and everything. So I don't know whether I want to be there live for that. But I mean, if, if it's watching from home, I'd love to go back and see that. And the pop of the crowd for that near fall and HBK selling it, crying in the corner. I mean, it, it was just perfect.
0: I totally agree with you with that near fall. And and I have seen steel cage matches, you know, being in New York, Madison Square Garden, the usual uh, post-Christmas show. Usually, like, I, I remember going to it almost every year and it always had a steel cage match. Those are very difficult to kind of see, especially if you're not, like, really close to the ring, if you're even from an outer view You you know, unless you're like way up top and you're seeing kind of inside the cage, I think that's the best view. But if you're like in the middle, it's very difficult to kind of see through the mesh and everything. So I I kind of understand what you're saying.
2: And I mean, even with the Hell of a Cell match, you've got the roof. So it doesn't really really (laughs) help. But yeah, uh, I think some very good suggestions from both of us. And then final ultra chat here from Caleb Maldonado. He says, Bold Nugget 2021 is it just the head or the entire face i vote entire face i'm sure you do anyways happy new year to the wrestling daily family also in the immortal words of olly davis cm punk wrestling return confirmed have we missed some breaking news that cm punk's coming back or is this uh, is Caleb just suggesting that he might or is um or are we maybe thinking that is is it just speculation Who knows? Uh, I've had a quick look on Twitter and no one's losing their minds. So I don't think CM Punk is coming back. No one in in the comments has suggested that he is. So we haven't missed any major news. Um, But, yeah, thank you, obviously, for your your well wishes. It would just be the head if Goldberg. And uh, Goldberg wins the WWE title. If he basically ends WrestleMania as Universal and WWE champion, I will shave my head. If he holds both titles up at the end of the night, that will be – that's my promise to you guys.
0: Proclamation. That that should be in, like, the description. Like, Louis makes a proclamation for if Goldberg is the undisputed champion of the WWE.
2: I love it. Sounds good. It will not be the eyebrows. The eyebrows will remain. Um, I'm just going to have a quick look through of the comments, see if anyone's made some nice suggestions for um, – a debate tomorrow we have um let's have a quick look debate chicken nuggets or chicken wings uh, obviously we said just wrestling uh, debate should new japan merge the IC and heavyweight titles i'm gonna say no to that because i don't have a clue and,
0: and i you know uh, koto obushi did suggest that they unify the title so I, I understand that question
2: I, I i listen I, I like it and i think it's interesting but i need to pick one that i think i can win at. and this is not it because your new japan knowledge far surpasses mine <laughs> you'll be able to pluck names out that i haven't even heard of probably um overall hulk Hogan has done more harm than good for the wrestling industry that would be a good thing to debate should cm punk go to aw or stay retired that's uh, also very interesting uh which day was better for Wrestle Kingdom, day one or day two? I haven't watched either, so I don't know. Um, I, I will though. This could be quite interesting. Maybe we'll, we'll run through some matches that we want to see at WrestleMania. Go on. We'll, we'll also do that tomorrow, as yeah. well as a debate. Um, we will. I tell you what, we will go through. We, we will. We will yeah. message each other privately, and we'll figure out something to debate that we're both passionate about, so it isn't forced at all. And we will, um, yeah, bring, bring that to you guys. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's wrapped everything up for today. Thank you very much to SV3 for thank joining you. me on today's show and filling in at such short notice. Um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for watching. Your ultra chats, your comments. As we say almost every show, you must get bored of us saying it now. We really appreciate the feedback and and, and the interaction that we have with you guys. It's such a nice community feel. Um, Obviously, follow SP3 on his Twitter, which is above him now. If if you're bored and want to see many tweets, you can follow me at mine over there. Uh, We're obviously available on podcast platforms everywhere. Basically, anywhere that does a podcast, we will be there under Wrestling Daily. Um, Yeah, we will see you guys tomorrow with me and SP3 again. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your day until then.